time, let me tell you this, the last time I was here as a student, uh, there was only one chapel, and we didn't have it here because this wasn't here. And uh, it is just amazing to be able to stand up here and just see this entire place filled with students. And this is just the first one. I got, we've got one more. That's great. And so if you will, just look at your neighbor and say, mm-mm, you look good in chapel. I know some of you, that's a strain, but... Amen. Well, even from the get-go, just walking up here with a, a SpongeBob square pants tie on, I'm very easy to get along with. I love SpongeBob. I have a two-year-old son that is just adores SpongeBob. And, uh, and I'm just, I just love to get up here, and I just, I just want to teach you and preach to you from my heart this, uh, this morning. And I'm used to speaking at night, so this 10 o'clock thing I don't know about. But I know some of you had to get out of bed to come here this morning. But <laughs> anybody had to get out of bed to come to chapel? I see a few hands. Amen. But I want to talk to you uh, this morning exactly uh, Latrice said that uh, I'm very passionate about the Word of God. And I want to talk to you about passion this morning. And uh, if you have a Bible, I want you to hold it up. All right. If somebody next to you doesn't have a Bible, look at them and say, shame on you. <laughs> Bring your Bible to chapel. This is the whole reason you're at Indiana Wesleyan. Amen. Amen. We're going to start and uh in the book of Revelation, I'm not going to teach end time prophecy, but we're going to be uh, starting in the book of Revelation. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there with me? And let me start by saying this. Everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, falls into one of three categories. And uh, Latrice knows this, and I'm a prop preacher, so... Uh, I always have props because, you see, when you see a visual aid, you're going to remember this. And uh, one of the very first category that you could fall into is, and I'm going to label this a cold turkey. And uh, there's some of you, there might be somebody in here this morning that's a cold turkey. And I thought about throwing this out here to somebody, but Latrice said, no, I'm kidding. But one, so there's probably some of you in here that are cold turkey. And if you fall into this category, a cold turkey is simply someone that either doesn't know Christ down in their hearts or has never been introduced to Christ or someone that has been introduced to Christ but has chose not to serve him. There might be somebody in here like that this morning. Hopefully by the end of this chapel that'll change. And then there's uh, a second category that we could fall into. And the second category is hot tamales. Anybody like hot tamales? These candies? I took the candy out because I didn't want it to be rattling in my mic, but I was going to like throw those out too, no. But the second category is hot tamales. Now these hot tamale people, they represent the people that are passionate for God, that love him with all their hearts, that will serve him no matter what, they're the exact opposite of the cold turkey, which leaves just one more category. If you're in the book of Revelation, chapter number three, let's look at verse 15. This is Jesus speaking, and he says in verse 15, chapter three, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, verse 16. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. 
If you're not cold, if you're not a cold turkey, and you're not a hot tamale, you know what you are? Lukewarm vomit. Has anybody ever smelled something or tasted something that just made you want to vomit? Anybody in the, in the house? I'll tell you what, I, I, she didn't tell you what I do for Indiana Westland. I work for the grounds department. Some of you seen me around. Some of you saw me this morning. I saw you. And uh, one of the things, I'm the head, of the head of the trash crew in the mornings. And so we, like, you, when you guys fill those outside cans up, outside your dorms or whatever, we're the ones that come around and get it. And we're glad to do that. But I want to tell you what, especially whoever's uh, living at Kim and Scripture Hall, you guys have a trash can. Every time I take the bag out of that thing, it makes me want to vomit. I don't know what's in the bottom of that. I'm not trying to make anybody sick. But listen to me. There's sometimes we smell things or taste things that make us just want to get sick. And the Bible tells us, Jesus himself tells us, that if we're not hot, that if we're not passionate for him, and we're not a cold turkey, that we're lukewarm. And when we're lukewarm... It's almost as if Jesus, it says he's going to vomit us out of his mouth. It says when he looks at us, it makes him sick. Hello, somebody. Is there anybody hearing me? Can somebody say amen? How many knows if you're not hot or you're not cold, you're lukewarm? And unfortunately, in the church today, I would venture to say that there's a high percentage of people that go to church every Sunday that claim to be hot for Christ that are really just lukewarm. And that's not good enough for Jesus. Amen? That's not good enough. And so I want to talk about, I'm not going to focus on the cold turkeys. I'm not going to focus even on the lukewarm. I want to talk about how we can be passionate for Jesus Christ. How many wants to be passionate for Jesus? How many really does want to be a world changer? How many wants to, when you walk into a place, people go, that guy really knows Jesus. Or that young lady is really passionate for, for God. That's what I want people to think of me. I don't want them to, to think of my name. When you leave here, I could care less if you remember who I am in a month, but I want you to remember this message. And so, in the Bibles that you have in front of you, we're going to go back to the, the book of Psalms, and, and these uh, uh, points are going to be up here on the screen behind me, but we're going to talk about number, point number one. We're talking about passion this morning, and point number one is this. Your pursuit will prove your passion. Everybody say that with me. Your pursuit will prove your passion. In the book of Psalm, and I, I love this, Latrice came to me before when, when she asked me to speak. She said, do you, would you rather just pick the music out that you want sang? And I said, no. I said, I don't want to do that because I believe that our worship leader is led by God, and he's going to sing what is going to lead right into my message. And you know what that last song he sang? Oh God, you are my God. This is the scripture I was going to for this point. Your pursuit will prove your passion. Psalm 63, verses 1, 2, and 8. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And I want to stop for just a moment. This is David. Can you imagine David singing this song? God, you are my God. I want to seek after you. I'm going to pursue you, God. Why? Because I'm thirsty for you. I'm hungry for you, Lord. My flesh longs for you. Is there anybody in here that wants to get closer to God every day? Every day I wake up and I think, Lord, I just want to get closer to you today than I was yesterday. 
And, and David says, God, you're my God. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to look for you in the sanctuary. And then in verse number eight, my version, my New King, New King James version says, my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But in the, in the King James version, that verse says, my soul followeth hard after thee. That means I'm wherever you go, Lord, that's where I am. Wherever he's at, that's where I want to be. My, my soul follows hard after him. And the point number one is that your pursuit will prove your passion. You want to know if you're really passionate for Jesus? Look at how, how much you're pursuing him. I have a, a wonderful wife. We've been married for four years. And when we were dating, you know how she knew that I was passionate about her? Because I was all the time up in her stuff. I mean, I'm all like calling her on the phone every night. I'm like, you know, let's go out tonight. We just went out last night. That's all right. Let's go out again. I was pursuing her. There's some, of, some guys in here doing that probably even as I speak. <laughs> You're per, we pers, I pursued her, and that's how she knew that I was passionate about her. It's the same with God. If, if you really want to know how passionate you are for Christ, it will be seen in how much you pursue him. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you taking that time to spend with him? Are you really pursuing a relationship with Jesus? If you're not, then pretty soon you're going to be in between hot and cold, and all of a sudden you're that lukewarm spot that we don't, nobody wants to be. Because I'm going to tell you what, there's only one type of category that's going to heaven, and it's the hot tamales. Only those that are passionate about Jesus, not the lukewarm vomit, not the cold turkeys, None of those are going to heaven. But those that are really sold out for Christ and said, Lord, I'm going to serve you no matter what. Your pursuit will prove your passion. In the book of Matthew, if you, again, return with me if you can. In the book of Matthew, we'll look at point number two here real quick. Good point here. One of my favorite. This is an awesome story. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 says this. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster, alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. I want to stop right there for a moment. If you read one of the other Gospels, I believe it's the book of John, you'll find that this very costly oil that she poured on Jesus' head was actually a pound of what they called spikenard. And a pound of spikenard in those days uh, cost about a year's wages to a worker back then. So that's costly. How many of you would, would go buy a perfume that cost you a year's wages? Not many of us. But she said, I've got to find this Jesus. He deserves my worship. And she paid for that costly oil. In verse 8 it says, But when his disciples, not the Pharisees, not the Sadducees, not sinners, when Jesus' disciples saw it, they were indignant or disgusted, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. Point number two is this. You can never be too passionate for Jesus Christ. You see, you can be too passionate for anything else in this world. I can be too passionate for my wife. And if she was here, she might disagree. No, I'm kidding. But I can be too passionate for my wife. If I place my wife above God, I'm being too passionate for her. Amen? Last week, I'm a diehard Colts fan. 
And after last Monday night, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, Monday night's comeback, miracle comeback, all I could think about on Tuesday was how the Colts did it. That's all I was thinking about all day long was, man, those Colts are awesome. Man, those Colts are good. But you know what? I had to come back down to reality and say, Lord, it's not about football. It's not about whether we win or lose next Sunday. It's all about you, Lord. And help me get my mind focused back on you. And I'm not saying it's wrong to think about football. I'm not saying it's wrong to love your wife. But what I am saying is that if, if any of those things are above God and your relationship, above your relationship with God, then there's a problem. But you can never be too passionate for Jesus Christ. This woman spent all she had probably to get this perfume. And the, Jesus' own, his own disciples said, what in the world is she doing? That's, she's gone too far. She's lost her mind. That's just too much. I'm sorry. But you know what? In another version of this story, in another gospel, Jesus said, you don't know what she's been through. You don't know what's been forgiven of her. I can't look at one of, some of you in here and tell you what you've been through and what Christ has forgiven you of. But I can, I can tell you this, whatever you've been forgiven of, it's worthy of, to give everything that you have to give it to Jesus and to say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. You died for me. I'm going to live for you. You can never be too passionate for Jesus Christ. Say that with me. I can never be too passionate for Jesus Christ. Never. Never, never, never are you going to love Jesus too much where he's going to say, whoa, that's a little bit too much love. <laughs> Jesus is never going to say that. He's going to say, bring it on. I love your worship. He desires that. And so you can never be too passionate for Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, in fact, says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. What's that mean? Love him with everything you got. Just lay it all down and love him. Point number three in the same book, Matthew chapter 26. Point number three is your passion should never depend on your circumstance. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, Jesus said to them, to the disciples, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now listen to Peter. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. <laughs> I love, don't you just love Peter's heart? <laughs> he really intended well. He really did have a passion, but it was a circumstantial passion. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And you can turn, you can find that when Jesus was nailed to a cross, there was not one disciple there. Not one our passion must not be circumstantial. It can't depend on our circumstances. A lot of times, it's easy to be passionate for Jesus when you're getting the blessings. It's easy to be passionate for Jesus when you go to a Christian college. Hello. But it's when you go outside of, of the Christian campus. It's when the, the rubber meets the road, when the blessings maybe aren't falling, when the storms are raging in your life. Then can you be passionate for Jesus Christ. Your passion cannot de de be dependent upon what's going on in your life. Because, you remember Jesus in the garden? Lord, I really don't want to go to a cross, but if you want me to go, your will be done. We've got to have that same passion, Indiana Westland. This, uh, this university can change the world, but it's going to start with each and every single one of you in here under the sound of my voice saying, Lord, I want my passion to be genuine. 
I don't want it to be a passion when I'm on the mountaintop and not a passion when I'm in the valley, but a passion every single day. I'm not a morning person. In fact, uh, I get up in the morning and I'm like just a zombie. I walk through my house. And uh, this morning I was about to leave the, the house and uh, I opened the door and I about lost my religion because my son scared me half to death. He was, I didn't know he was up. He doesn't usually get up before I leave. And he came out of his room. He said, mommy. And I about, I about lost it. About, I, I thought, so he woke me up this morning, but you know what? I've got to be just as passionate for Jesus Christ, whether I'm having a bad morning, whether my, my, my kids are not, uh, are not acting upright, whether I just flunked the test, I still got to be, be passionate for Jesus. I still got to be passionate for Jesus when the, when the professor gives me this assignment that I can't do, I just don't think I can do. I still got to be passionate for Jesus when my roommate just isn't keeping his end of the room clean or whatever. I still got to be passionate for Jesus. I see everybody turning their head going, that's you. That's you. We've got to be passionate for Christ. In the book of Titus, we'll go next. And point number four, and this is where it, this is where it gets a little bit tougher. Maybe not tougher, but it's good here. The book of Titus. Point number four, an increased passion for Jesus will diminish your natural desire and tendency to sin. I'm not telling you hearsay. I'm not just preaching you something that uh, I just heard off the radio. This is what the Bible says. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That was Jesus. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And really, that's what passion is about. Living righteous, godly, soberly, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now here it is, verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Everybody say redeem us. That means buy us back or set us free. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. You know what that's telling me? That if I do live passionate for Jesus, he is going to free me from that bondage of sin. Some of you question uh, maybe once a week or once a month, how can I defeat this beast inside of me called sin? How can I get past that? I'll tell you what. John the Baptist said it as clear as it can get. He must increase, I must decrease. I've got to put my desires, and the Bible calls it flesh, okay? And it's not necessarily your skin, but it's the sin inside. I've got to put my flesh under the blood. I've got to die out daily, live passionate for Jesus, and that will naturally cause my tendency and desire to sin to begin to diminish. Now, am I saying you'll be perfect? No, because I still live in a, in a very imperfect body. I have imperfections. And every day I wake up, Lord, you're going to have to help me today not to sin. But he sees that cry. He sees that heart. He sees a sincerity. And, and when we say, Lord, I want to live more passionate for you. I want to be that hot tamale. He's going to help us defeat sin in our lives. And if there's anybody in here saying, well, I just really don't have any sin in my life. <laughs> Come talk to me afterwards. I'd like to talk to you because you must be an angel. Amen. Increased passion for Jesus will diminish your natural desire and tendency to sin. And it's, I had to write natural desire and tendency in there because, see, we do have a natural desire to sin because that's uh, who we are. And we do have a tendency to sin. If we don't watch ourselves, if we don't live soberly and righteously, we will sin. 
because that's our tendency. That's who we are. But praise God, he sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago to break those chains. Hallelujah. And we have freedom from that. I want to go to my last point, and this is probably my favorite. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 29, the Bible says, Our God is a consuming fire. Now, you can take that one of two ways. If you're in this building right now, and you don't know Jesus, and you are lukewarm, or you are a cold turkey, that verse scares you. Our God is a consuming fire. Because there will come a day, and the Bible tells us that the earth will be consumed with fire. And there is a lake of fire waiting those cold turkeys and lukewarm vomit. So that, might, that verse might scare some of you in here this morning. I hope not. But if you're a hot tamale, this verse is, oh, oh, this verse is good. Because when it says that our God is consuming fire, I remember the time when I, when I first gave my heart to Christ. And I, was, I could almost feel that fire burning out the sin in my life, burning away those evil tendencies, that sin that's just ingrown in me. And then also that fire places a passion in us. You remember what John the Baptist said when they came to him and asked if he was the Christ? He said, oh no. There's one coming after me that I'm not even worthy to unloose his sandals. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He did, that scripture just isn't in there for the fun of it. I really believe he can baptize us with fire. And that's what I mean by fire is exactly that. Burning out the sin and burning in us a passion. A passion that burns down deep. A passion that rubs off on other people. And so point number five, this, this is good. If you let it, only if you let it, your passion for Jesus will overcome you. It's all right to be overcome with a passion for Jesus. Now, there might be some people say you're a fanatic, but that's all right. I'd rather be a fanatic for Jesus than anything else. I've had people come to me and say, you're crazy. You've never seen Jesus. You've never seen God. That's fine. I know what he did for me in my heart. He set me free. I have no more sin. He's forgiven me. And I'm living for him every day. I've got a reason to be passionate about him. How many has got a reason to be passionate about Jesus? How many people in here has been set free from sin? Is there anybody that's free tonight, this morning? Then you have a right to be passionate about Jesus. But you know what? The key to this point, if you let it, your passion for Jesus will overcome you. It's only dependent on you. Because, you know, Jesus will never cross your will. That's, that's a wonderful thing about it. He gave us a free will. We can choose one or the other. We can choose, well, Lord, I just, and I'm going to tell you what, you can just come to an altar of salvation somewhere and get saved and make it to heaven. You can do that. But how much greater would it be if we could live with a passion and change just the people that are around us? and change even the people in this university that need to be changed. There's, some of, there's probably some of you in here that may be in that lukewarm spot, and you're saying, Lord, I need that passion that he's talking about. I need that in my life. We're going to pray here in just a moment. I'm just going to pray a corporate prayer over this entire student body that's here right now. And praise God, we've got another chapel to go. That's exciting to me. I'm going to pray over this entire student body. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands if you're a cold turkey. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands if you're lukewarm vomit. And, and, and I'm not even going to ask you to lift your hands if you're a hot tamale. If you're a hot tamale in here, then praise God. When we pray, then you need to say, Lord, increase my passion. Because I can never be too passionate for God. Amen? 
I can never reach the point where I'm too passionate. If when I get to that point, I'll be translated. I'll be up in heaven with him. But I'll never reach that point down here. So everybody stand with me this morning. Hear that low rumble of a roar when everybody stands up? That's just great. I love this university. This is awesome. How many, how many thanks God for Indiana Wesleyan University? If you don't, start thanking him because you have wonderful professors. There's people that work on this campus that pray for you every day. There's grounds workers that think about you every day when we take out the trash. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this student body. I thank you that, Lord, you've, you've really given us a message that's from your heart, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, if there's one in here, just one, that may be that cold turkey that doesn't know you or that has been introduced to you but hasn't chose to serve you, right now I pray that you would instill in their hearts a desire to get to know you, Lord. Before they close their eyes tonight and go to sleep, let them just surrender their hearts to you. And Lord, I pray for a lot in here, Lord, that may feel, may feel like they're lukewarm, Lord. That, Lord, they don't want to be the ones that make you sick, Jesus. They want to be the ones that when you look at them, you're pleased. And so I pray right now a corporate covering. I just pray that a passion would just be dropped into their hearts. A passion to serve him like they've never served him before. A passion to really get to know you, Jesus. To spend time with you, Lord. To pursue you as David did early in the morning. Lord, I thank you for this student body, and I pray that you would go with them today. Let them be blessed. Let the favor of God rest upon them, Lord, and we'll give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.